Welcome to episode 186 of Friends in Film. We're here bringing the latest movie news and to view the biggest new release, which this week is Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Cooper. Hello. Cooper, I have a question for you. Okay. Airbud. Great. Right? Love it. All Even of the Airbuds? Uh hmm. It is really sad. It's very melancholy. I just remember as a kid when he would put the pudding cups down and mm-hmm. start yelling at Airbud, I was like, You are the worst. Yes. I hope I'm never like you. Mm-hmm. And that was always such a sad scene. But then, you know, Airbud comes back, saves the day, wins the game, and it's all good. Um the sequels. I mean what, there's the football one? There's yep. a soccer one. I've seen both of those. Mm-hmm. And then I think I cut out when they started doing Air Buddies. And it's like, oh, here are like the babies. You're missing volleyball, which is oh. the second one. Air Bud spikes back. Uh-huh. Classic. Do you, do you remember the um the like the same premise, but it's like a chimpanzee for those movies? Beach volleyball? Or no, basketball? it's like it's like He's so like, like he's like he's like a, he's like a rollerblade like <laughs> oh yeah or something yeah, yeah, yeah I don't remember what those movies are called I don't either but I remember like those were like in like the aftermath of Airbud blowing up it's like okay every studio now it's like you know how you're trying to chase a cinematic universe like what adorable animal can oh, we yeah. put in sports MVP yes most valuable primate that's right oh man he's got a hockey movie here a in two thousand yes. incredible. This is amazing. And what's the other one? There's, it's either rollerblading or skateboarding and or something? in 2001, we have most vertical primate, which I imagine is basketball. No, it's not. He's hanging tin on a skateboard. Yeah, I remember that one a lot. He's got like a trench coat and a jacket. Oh, man. This, he's yeah. basically like Patrick there's, there's, Swayze. They're, they're good movies from what I remember as a, what, Gosh. you said 2001? So when I was seven years old, oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the best. Cinema will never <laughs> achieve something this great ever again. Well, I did love the first one. It, the titular character was Josh. Or, well, the titular character is Airbud. Well, but yeah. the human uh-huh. who he's best friends with is Josh. And that's why I was like, this is my movie. And <laughs> believed it such wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Um, but anyway, I was inspired by... I, I, the Ringer released their rankings of all the Airbud movies. Really? Yes. And it, it was a joy to read um <laughs> i've retweeted it onto my account and like it's so it's hanging there and it'll probably be retweeted from the main account too i bet you so hang in there um but if you're looking for that main account guess what it's on twitter obviously it's called friends and film a and d and if you're looking for movie reviews we would probably give Airbud five ticket stubs oh yeah yeah for sure but if you're looking for other movie reviews you can find those on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher anywhere podcasts can be found but if you can on apple podcasts please rate and review us that will ultimately help rank us and then we can find more friends of the show that's right and uh for the next week as you guys are hearing this uh if you do leave us a review you'll get 10 entries which is a lot, into our Avengers Endgame digital giveaway, uh, which we will be announcing a winner for uh, next Tuesday on August uh, 13th. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We've already had several entries at this point, whether you're retweeting the main uh, tweet on Twitter um, at that account that Josh previously mentioned, or you've been um, like one of our faithful followers, uh, Kate, and leaving us reviews on there, glowing reviews. We appreciate it, and, you know, Keep listening. Hopefully you keep enjoying the podcast. So on that note, uh, 
before we get into our main review of the podcast this week, Josh, is there anything else that you watched this week that you know the listeners out there should know about? Yeah, I did. And we're going to talk about this director a little bit later um, today, but I watched Taxi Driver. Martin Scorsese's 1976 film. Sounds about right. Yeah, okay. maybe it's 78. 78, since it's a very 70s movie. But I was blown away by three things. Oh, 76, you're right. Oh, awesome! I'm so glad I can like remember, <laughs> remember movie releases. I was struck by three things: cinematography, amazing. It's like just all these like it's a lot of it's taking place at night, and all of these like neon hues are getting cast mm-hmm. onto the road is basically De Niro just drives through New York City and then it make, makes it this turn into being like this like manifestic um, white nationalist like a radicalization movie mm-hmm. because that's where De Niro turns shaves his head puts yep. the shaves on and like then you know are you talking to me like <laughs> I wonder where that came from um, and so I'm like okay so there's some iconicism here but I thought that was a really good, I don't know, I just, I enjoyed it all the way through and just like what fuels people and phenomenal. Yeah. So it was your first time First watching. time watching Taxi all Driver. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my Scorsese movie like watches like his uh, filmography. Uh-huh. Like I've put like two movies on it. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> You've only seen two Scorsese movies? There's I no think way. I've only seen one Scorsese movie. Taxi Driver is the only one you've seen? I think Taxi Driver is the only Scorsese movie no, you've seen. No, I mean, you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, right? No. Really? Um, you've seen, I don't know, I mean, there's something, I mean, the good thing is, you know, Mean Streets, uh, one of his earlier uh, kind of breakthrough movies, now enough, because I've never even seen it. Um, and then there's, I want to say, like, his directorial debut with, like, Harvey uh, Keitel uh, is also on Netflix. I, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but I find it hard to believe you've only seen the one Martin Scorsese movie now that you've seen I, Taxi Driver. Oh, wait. I have seen The Departed. Silence? I've seen Departed. Silence? No. No? Uh, Goodfellas? No. Oh, my goodness. These are some big movies, Josh. I'm going to get on it, though. But, you know, that's good for you because then you're going to have a first time seeing some great movies. As some Shutter Island? Have you seen Shutter Island? That's a Scorsese movie? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Aviator? No. Gangs of New York? Uh, Casino? Cape Fear? Mm-mm. Color of Money. The Departed. King of Comedy, Raging Bull. Nope. All right. That's why Scorsese was going to do the Joker movie. That, yeah, that's why he was linked to producing it, yeah. Very cool. So, How about you, my friend? Uh, I watched uh, one of Matthew Vaughn's first movie. I'm not sure if it actually is his first movie or not. Uh, Layer Cake. Uh, it's currently also on Netflix. Uh, so anybody who wants to check it out can do so, and I would recommend it. I think it's... Uh, you can, it's not quite as um, flourishy as I think Vaughn's work has become with like you know his action style and stuff with the Kings movies or Kickass and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it's got early Daniel Craig pre Bond. It's got um, a a very young Tom Hardy before he's like <laughs> a thing. You're like, oh, here's Tom Hardy standing in the backgrounds of a couple of shots. Um, but it's 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 really slick. Um, I think it's a movie that honestly would be better to watch on a rewatch because mm-hmm. the, it is like this like drug, like crime Lord story where it's like, all right, there's a lot of moving pieces to the story. And s- at some points I'm like, I'm not totally sure who you are and what your like part is to play here. Um, but after it's all kind of, it all comes together in the end, I think then rewatch and I'm like, Oh, okay. 
I can I can track this a lot better. Um, but it's still really good. And yeah, it is his directorial debut from two thousand and four. There's so. a Sally Hawkins sighting yeah. in this movie too. It's, it's, it's wow. like it's oh and um uh Ben Wishaw is in here. What? Uh it's 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 like this super st- Dexter Fletcher is also um he he plays a part cuz this is before he like had his turn as a director and he was just like popping up in all these British, you know, drama comedy things and oh my gosh. uh yeah, it's got a really interesting cast but like you can kind of see the foundation for the mm-hmm. the director and the the vision that Matthew Vaughn would eventually become. Sounds like the fa- looks like looks and sounds like the foundation for like modern you know, pop culture British cinema. I mean, in it's a, a lot it's, of ways? it's 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 in terms it, of talent and directors. It's kind of in that similar vein of like you know early Guy Ritchie stuff. They they, they basically come from that same group. Mm. So it's like Ritchie and Vaughn are kind of coming up. Seems like at the same time and uh, throwing yeah. all their friends in there yeah. and giving you know all sorts of airs and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, on Netflix right now. Go check it out. Um, as Hobbs and Shaw is currently in theaters, and you can also check it out, um, which is a movie that is so hard to I think kind of review honestly because it's so dumb and ridiculous and over the top and cheesy that i was basically laughing throughout the entirety of the film and at points i know that's what they're going for there's a great one-liner uh there's there's several great one-liners as you know the rock and statham just kind of berate each other with insults throughout the two-hour runtime um but then there's also moments where they're trying to be like really heartfelt and serious. And I'm just like, no, this is not, <laughs> not no, it. this is not work. Like you're not, this, that is not this type of movie. So it's like, those are clearly misses, but there's also moments where I think they're trying to be intentionally cheesing those sort of heartwarming moments. And so it's like, it's really weird um, from that perspective, but it's also entertaining on that level where I'm like, this could be technically bad. But I'm not sure because I'm enjoying a lot of what I'm watching. So uh, Vanessa Kirby, I think, is probably the best part of the movie as the newcomer to the franchise is Hattie uh, Deckard Shaw's sister. She is uh, one of the first characters we are introduced to. I think she's actually is the first character we're introduced to in the yep. movie. Um, so she has a prominent role to play in the plot. She's great. I'm just like, after this and Fallout, like, somebody please just stop putting Vanessa Kirby in these like side supporting action roles and just give her her own thing, please. Like she is incredible. Um, I thought Elba was a really solid villain as like, you know, I'm black Superman. I'm the bad guy. Like he just <laughs> thrown out again, these like super corny on the nose one liners, mm-hmm. but he's also involved in some really solid action set pieces, which for the most part are really good and big and entertaining. And you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. I don't know how these Samoans got so good at throwing chains, but they are like a plus Olympic athletes, like, you know, (laughs) in that realm. Um, The only thing is I wish they didn't show like every single moment in the trailers, like in the marketing, it seems like, the, you know, every trailer that came out for this movie was like three and a half minutes. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, you could have saved so much. So, then like, at the point when some of the action like gives you a couple of like new moves, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that was slick and right. that was cool. Mainly because I hadn't seen it before already. So, it's like I'm kind of taking this movie down a little bit because of the marketing and their approach, and just felt like they had to show me everything to get me into the seat. Where really, I was already gonna check it out because it's Leech. David Leach, the director, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it's Jason Statham, it's Idris Elba, it's Vanessa Kirby, and it's this big over-the-top action blockbuster, and I was already going to see it. Like, I didn't need to see every set piece, Um, but 
I did. And so it kind of took some of the enjoyment out of it. Uh, but also there's also other enjoyments, as I mentioned, that probably are unintentional. So at the end of the day, it's like a movie that is like solid enough, but it's definitely not great, but it's also not bad. And uh, I, I guess maybe it is bad, but I enjoyed watching it. So I'm giving it three ticket stubs out of five and I will let you yeah, give it, your piece. You're, you're taking the words right out of my mouth as soon as you started. And it, it's so hard to say what is good and what is bad about this movie because there's clearly um david leach is definitely self-aware coming from deadpool to this film i believe um he knows that this thing is a thing and it needs to um it needs to announce itself as exactly what it is and any deviation from that will take it into the uh not my cup of tea to oh this is hot trash or this is like you know nothing i really want to touch or get away with and he gets it to the point where it's it's leaning so hard in it's becoming um it's basically it's becoming a trope of all the fast and furious films in and of itself and then taking it to like level 10 and it somehow works from the stunts to the obligatory vehicle chases and car chases to the um it's so like you said, everything they show in marketing, from the propelling down of the skyscraper mm-hmm. to d- the Dwayne, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, basically like uh, <laughs> acting as a human chain link, basically <laughs> to um, their vehicle and the chopper trying to get away with uh, the the snowflake virus. Yeah, uh, what it's called snowball virus. Yeah, I think I think it's it was something so stupid. <laughs> That I was just like, this was written. This was this was. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, um, stay them. The Rock. They're themselves. They can only be themselves. They're never not themselves. Um, all the way through this film. But now, like you said, Vanessa Kirby comes in and is cool, collected. Sadly, the MacGuffin of the movie. Yeah. Um, but she's like totally badass, and so like it makes it okay i guess because mm-hmm. she's fighting for herself um, most of the time plenty of the time um but then it just kind of veers left and right into the, like the we're gonna have fun with this movie and then we're gonna get a little weird and then we're gonna like you said just throw insults at each other the entire way through in like some kind of like really really weird um you know buddy cop comedy just maxed out to 2000 you know and it mostly works. There are some parts about the movie that, n- namely, number one, we should not have been in the theater for two hours. Yeah. I So many things were gratuitous, but, you know, that's, you know, it needs to be an event, <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, the David Leach stage is great action. Um, you can get caught up in the thrills of what's going on. It's not particularly anything new or exciting. There's a lot of green, a lot of, bad green screen yeah um there's even there's even one moment where it really stuck out to me and it felt so strange that from what i could tell was clear green screen or if it wasn't green screen it was like that's just really bad camera work or something yeah where it was yeah i think i know the moment you're talking was it you're it's, talking nuclear it's, it's reactor like, uh no it's like it's it's after that the start of the third okay which yeah we, oh, we can get into in spoilers i guess but like in and around all of that it's just sort of um it's just sort of bland, I suppose, until we get to like the very final moments where they just they show us something we've never seen before mm-hmm. in cinema, which is like you know all of these Samoan um, 
you know, the, the, the Rock family, the uh, Hobbs family. Yeah. You know, that's new and exciting, and that's probably the warmest part of the movie, uh, compared with the post-credits scene. And so it's, but it's, it's really hard to kind of just hate this thing. Yeah. Because it just is what it is, and I'm right there with you. It's three ticket stubs. You'll enjoy your time in the theater, mm-hmm. but after that, um, it's like a one and done. Yeah, yeah, like I'll never watch this movie again, like skipping way ahead to our normally our end of our spoiler <laughs> section. Um, like unless, you know, it's like, oh, Hobbs and Shaw 2 is coming out like a year from now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll revisit it just to make sure I'm like up on the lore of what Etienne is and, <laughs> you know, what all happened there and all this other like Shaw family dynamics that happened with the Hobbses and, yes, and have all that stuff under my belt. So many questions about um, all of that. Which I guess we'll move into spoilers mm-hmm. uh, on Hobbs and Shaw. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, stay all the way through the credits because there are three credit scenes. So if That's you're right. seeing this, just stay all the way through. Uh, you probably won't regret it. So from now on, spoilers on Hobbs and Shaw. Um, the moment that I was referring to where I was like, this is like seems such an odd placement for green screen was when Hobbs walks up to hit the the Hobbs family door oh, and yeah. like it's it's him and it's a close up of his face. And then you see the Hawaiian background. I'm mm-hmm. just like. It was so glossy and shiny and like clearly like unfocused green screen. I was like, but why? <laughs> like everything else in this like section is shot mm-hmm. practically on Hawaii. Right. Like why aren't you like using that to your advantage? Why like maybe that was like, okay, we didn't have that shot ahead of time. We have to reshoot it and yeah. so this is all we could do. But it's like did I really need that close up of Hobbs like contemplating like that what he's about to do next like no mm-hmm. like i don't I, I don't know why you would need that one that's, two second shot that's the moment where he's introducing his daughter to the family correct no i'm talking about like before that like oh, even when, before when, that. when he like goes there for the first time in oh it's forever yeah. his um heroic like i've returned yeah home and i'm thinking about things oh yeah, yeah that was definitely a pickup shot and like yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. why i have like, no clue like it seems so unnecessary but you know, maybe <laughs> audiences were previously confused, like who's standing at the door mm-hmm. or how the rock get up to the front door. Or why is he <laughs> contemplating things? Like, I don't know. Oh my God. It seems like such a weird, like two second shot to include, which are like, uh, just didn't look good. Yeah. It did not. It did not adhere to the film's literal language at all. But, um, I do want to talk about Idris Elba's character okay. breaks in because number one, he is fascinating mm-hmm. as a character. Number two, I think he's more Idris Elba than he is Brixton <laughs> because like when you think about Idris Elba's character, and I think I may have said this when we talked about the trailer, but Idris Elba like really is black Superman. Yeah. Like, and like you, you just check, you just type in Idris Elba, Idris Elba record. And you'll find a slew of things about the man that you did not know he did from DJing to oh, yeah. like, I think he basically does like formula one racing in some really? kind of ways. I don't know. It's, it's sort of, it's in that alley. Okay. Um, he broke the land speed record or currently held it for one moment. Whoa. And you just go down all of these things. And we finally have him in what I think is technically is like his first, like bad guy starring role. Mm, yeah, probably. Where he got the treatment of someone that was new and exciting and fresh. And I love that because he's just being him. He's being an eccentric person, not subdued, beaten down, or like braided in any way. Whatever the, the Dark Tower, you know, comes to mind when I'm thinking of this guy's character. And for some weird reason, I feel like it's his coming out party in a lot of ways. Okay. Totally freed from the MCU and all these other things where he can just like be Idris. Well, now he'll be 
not Deathstroke in <laughs> Suicide Squad too. So yes, uh, or yeah, not Deathstroke, not uh, Deadshot, not oh yeah, not Deadshot. Sorry. Uh, whatever the heck they've got going on there. Yeah, and it'll I, be somebody there, new. <laughs> there, there's the summoning of Edris Elba is like here. Yeah, and I'm so here for it. I'm here for these roles, and. Like ever, all this stuff because the man's arrogance and like like the the, the, the delusionment and self grandeur that he has going throughout all this movie, mm-hmm. it was really honestly what gave me life up until that <laughs> third act where he's just like, dude, I can literally do anything. Yeah, and that was that was my favorite part. Like I, like I liked how he's like basically like he is Black Superman where he's like taking on the Rock and Statham at the same time mm-hmm. and. Like he's delivering blows, which was really fine to watch this movie after. I don't know if you read that report of, <laughs> yes. you know, they're in the edit bays, like counting how many punches each person's getting hit with and mm-hmm. stuff for like ego purposes, basically. <laughs> um, so I was every time he got, every time the rock or Statham got punched by, I was like, ah, that's one. Of that's them. one. <laughs> Jot it down. Editor, uh, make sure somebody else gets one too. Oh. Um, and, but like I liked how you know he was that formidable opponent where he's, he's throwing the rock around. He's throwing Statham around. He like has, a past with Statham, which I wasn't totally sure what that was. They were used to work together or they were colleagues in British special, but then forces? he like, he framed Statham or something like, and that's why Statham's like been absent from the Shaw family. Yeah. Like it was like, it was, it was, it was a little convoluted there. Um, but I was like, and I don't really know if it really added anything to know that. Oh, Deckard and Brixton used to be together because uh, like there was never really because even the moment where Brixton tries to recruit them both to join Etion mm-hmm. uh, Deckard's the one saying no and, and it's not until Hobbs like figures out what Hattie's up to he's like plays along and is like oh yeah we'll join and he's like what are you doing like I've been down this road we're not doing this again mm-hmm. like it would have been interesting if Deckard was like well I am a bad guy, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I did kill Han. <laughs> I did do all of this bad stuff before. I guess now that we're trapped in this corner, mm-hmm. time to go be a bad guy again. And that would have been interesting. It would have totally ruined <laughs> what they're going for, I think, with this franchise. But yeah. I think it would have felt a little more true to the character. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like, what is true to the what is true to Jason Statham's character? We're introduced to him in Fast and Furious 7. Fast and Furious 7. Yeah. yeah. Um. Paul Walker send off film. Yes. And he's just like an outright baddie. And we're, uh-huh. we were pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, his intro is him like walking out of a hospital after like murdering like everybody. everybody. And it's yeah. Like, Whoa. And his first, first introduction is him murdering Han and lighting him on fire. Oh, that's right. Or blowing him happen- smithereens. Does that happen at the start of seven or the end of six? The end of like five or three or four. I think it happens at the end of six after Luke Evans's character, who's, the other Shaw brother like perishes. And then he's like at the hands of Han. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go get him. <laughs> he's like, tell, tell Dom I'm coming for him. You're like, what? <laughs> and then that, 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 yeah, that, that's right. And then nothing happens with that for like three movies. No, it's, I think I'm pretty sure it's the end of six where Statham's like introduced, I think. And then seven's his full introduction. And then eight is when he's like, I'm reluctantly here because me and the rock are, trapped in the same prison mm-hmm. and oh that's right yes now we're out and we're gonna help each other because <laughs> kurt russell wants us to <laughs> yes that sounds right okay yeah 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 yeah. but either or however he's yeah the the character of shaw is interesting because because number one he's gonna murder one of the franchise favorites yeah two of the franchise favorites no just one and then we're like 
we'll break him out and we'll team up with him. Uh-huh. At first, it's tongue in cheek, like your friends, your enemy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, him and The Rock become semi best buds. This was so weird. And then they're like, nope, relationship severed. You all hate each other. Okay, that's fine. Necessity or whatever. And then we have this entire movie where they grow pretty close together. They give pats on the back. Uh-huh. By the end like, of it. I did some things that were bad. I'm like, yeah, you murdered one of the team. <laughs> Remember? Like, he, and, I mean, and then at the end of the day, everything's supposed to be fine, I guess. I guess. But and then again, you get like, like you said, those inklings of like where Deckard suddenly is... Or yeah, Shaw is sort of like suddenly like the good guy, and you're getting hints of like could Hobbs break bad? <laughs> right. It was well. It's just so weird that whole, the whole like are Hobbs and Shaw on good terms or not thing, which is like the whole the whole point of this movie until at the end when they finally come to the realization, hey, if we team up, <laughs> then one of us can take a hit. While the other one gives a hit to Brixton. Oh, mm. this is genius. Why didn't we think about this two hours ago? Um, but I was just so confused because from what I remember of The Fate of the Furious, which granted isn't a lot, but I remember Statham at the barbecue at the end talking with Shaw yeah, and like being like kind of buddy-buddy, but not like we're totally BFFs, but it's like, oh, they're on good terms. They're clinking beers together yeah. for sure. So then at the end of this... When, or at the beginning of Hobbs and Shaw, when they're like, they're like, I don't want to work with this guy. I'm like, right. wait, I thought, I thought you guys were cool. Mm-hmm. Now there's that friction just they, to give you that for two hours until the last ten minutes. Like, no, we can do this together. And then even at the end, and when we fast forward to like the post credit scene stuff, there's like still like that bromantic relationship of like, hey, we're gonna play pranks on each other. Right. I'm gonna send you to jail. Ironically, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> So I'm just uh, like I'm not really sure what the like the, the dynamic is here, other than I think The Rock and Statham just like hurling insults at each other. Yeah, like and that's one of the movie's charm is actually sure. there's some very clever things going on there. There's the custom check-in, like which is um, terrific. Uh, Do you have a favorite one-liner? I think that's my favorite one-liner. It's not really a one-liner, but it's just the um, the TSA agent like reading back The Rock's uh, undercover code name. Uh-huh. He's like, "What is it?" And it's like. I don't even remember what it is. I don't remember what it is either, but, but like the end result about... is my dick small. Right. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> and like, I think that, I think like that, I think that was one of the more, the best joys of it. But can I tell you, can I tell you mine real quick? Yes, absolutely. My favorite one liner. It's just so it's in, it's in the moment where it's delivered. It's the execution of the line by the rock. Um, and it's also just the wording itself uh, where he's talking about how he's teasing, you know, Decker about how, Maybe he will sleep with Hattie. Maybe there will be a romantic relationship right. there. And then he says, we're going to do the horizontal hula. <laughs> I was like, what? How do you come up with that phrasing? He's like, oh, I can, I'm going to let her climb the mountain maybe a couple of times. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was just so random and strange that I was like, this is like this is peak what I wanted from Hobbs and Shaw was just lines like that. They're yeah. so dumb and ridiculous, but I'm like, but I'm not not gonna laugh at these, right? Because they're good. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's 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 the self-effacing, but but also just like, oh, uh, like that's what like you know, yeah, I don't know, it, yeah, it, it worked for me too because the rocks like delivery is like, right, kind of like it's super earnest and like you you can you can feel that he's not working with it or or not working with it, but like you know, you can feel the the 
the jokiness, mm-hmm. like, like immediately. Right, in it. you can like sense the feeling that like the Rock woke up that morning and was like, "Okay, I got to do this scene with Statham." Oh, I got it. <laughs> and he like runs the set all happy after you know bench mm-hmm. pressing six hundred pounds uh, thirty times, and then he's like, "Guys, I got it. Horizontal hula. I'm gonna call <laughs> myself a mountain. She's gonna climb me. It's gonna be hilarious." Yep. Like, they're like, "Okay, Dwayne." <laughs> all the jokes are about how I'm huge and fit, uh-huh. and you know, which is like I'm huge, fit, and good looking. Yeah, and you're. Just annoying. <laughs> that's the dynamic, basically. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, but I mean, it gets you. It got me through the movie. It really yes. did. Because, like, I mean, credit to David Leach for staging plenty of great action. But at the same time, it's still 150 million dollar movie mm-hmm. budget action to where lots of cuts, CG, and it's not really what we've come to expect from him and Still Husky. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Well, and it's also a little weird from the Fast and Furious franchise perspective where, like, you know, at least in, like, recent installments, like, they've been, like, trying to, like, be, like, there's going to be a lot of over-the-top insane CGI, you know, set piece. Like, we're going to jump a car through three buildings Mm -hmm. in Abu Dhabi. And you're like, uh, okay. Right. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, But they also, at the same point, do, like, a practical stunt of dropping six cars out of a plane or the mm-hmm. bank heist in fast five. And I, I, I want to say like, there's like a big car chase in eight. That's mostly practical. Um, but like this one, there's not like hardly any real practical, like big sequences. It's yeah. all any of the practical stuff is like hand to hand combat. And even like that, you mentioned it's like, there's a lot of cuts. Um, and again, there's a lot of that stuff we've already seen before. So it's like the action well, I was like, okay, like, yeah, it was like good for a blockbuster, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was, it wasn't what I was expecting from a David Leach, you know, Fast and Furious movie. Right, exactly. And like you said, like, um, like there's a lot of Leach is starting to lean in on super slow mo too. Yeah. And I'm not really a, a fan of that. No. Like it's it makes for some like funny like you can like kind of giggle and be like, ooh, he yeah. really got it good with that punch there. Look how he's like. Faces flying the opposite right. direction, and cheeks and spit and mm-hmm. saliva are like flying out of their mouths or whatever, and like, you know, that's kind of funny. But then, you know, how many times like is that? That's the reason this movie is two hours long. No, thank you. Right. Like I would have rather seen like most of that comes in the the final confrontation between yeah. Brixton, Hobbs, and Deckard, and I would have rather have just seen like not slow-mo not close-ups of that and like mm-hmm. try to do semi longer takes yeah and give me like real hard-hitting moments because there's like a moment where um like i, th- I want to say hobbs like throws decker or throws uh brixton like in the air and like shaw comes in and like just like knees him in the face or something and like it's like it's a it's it's more of like a wider shot and like it looks semi-practical and like it hits really hard and I was like, oh snap yeah that was like a really nice moment in a, a mess of a, a an action set piece. Otherwise, right? Yeah, and I don't know if that's because you have the Rock and Statham who are like who aren't like committed. To, I mean, Statham is that's like his like whole thing. He's like, really? I don't I don't want to do a Marvel or DC movie because I'm going to be like I want to do my own stunts. I want to do like my own fights, and it's like okay, and like the Rock can handle a lot of that stuff. Elba still can. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get why they didn't rely. Like, it seems like Vanessa Kirby, again, the highlight of the movie is the only one who was really doing a lot of her, like involved in the practical, really good stunts. Right. Like granted, they're like, they're carried out to the lesser degree. Yeah. I mean like, but that stuff is really cool. Like and the I think, simple things work. I think that's where Leech, 
like has excelled in the past, whether, whether it's with John Wick or with like Atomic Blonde, like that incredible, like what is 11 minute, like staircase fight mm-hmm. that Charlize does. Like that's insane. Yeah. Easily the best part of that movie. And it's like, there's not even like a glimpse of like that sort of a vision in here. Maybe it's because like he didn't have like as much time to prep or something, or, you know, this is a very different blockbuster. You're dealing with bigger egos and talent and stuff and yeah. you just can't pull that off and this is very much a studio movie this was mm-hmm. written cast and you know loaded for him to kind of just right. step in and do what he can with it and so by that point you're just sort of influencing look feel and how yeah. things run day to day on set once it's in the edit bay who knows what warner brothers yeah. has got up their sleeves um on the hattie front i did want you mentioned kind of how she's like the macguffin of the movie mm-hmm. which i think i think is fine um, up until the third act yeah. where they're like, oh, we have to, we have to, uh, withdraw the virus from your system. I'm like, yes. Okay, fine. Cool. Whatever. You know, give us this montage of Cliff Curtis, you know, welding and making this machine work again, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they're like, they attach the system to Hattie and they start the procedure, it's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever the countdown is I'm like, wait, what she, it takes 45 to 30 to 45 minutes to withdraw this virus from her body so then she can't be involved in the action she has right. to be like protected on the back lines um and like she and then again like she's trying to be taken and so like why couldn't she have just gotten the virus immediately extracted from her and like just had the vial again and make it be like okay she has the vial we have to go get her but then she can still like actually fight instead of being like oh don't come near me because this thing can't get detached and I'll have to like restart the whole process all over again. Yeah. So then she like she can't be involved. She's trapped in a helicopter for the final fight, and just like wait, like just like she's literally just laying in the rain with a guy pointing a gun at her face, watching the the, the countdown clock tick. I'm like, come on, like, give Vanessa Kirby something else. Yeah, she was. I mean, like it's like it's, it's weird because she's not exactly like in Hollywood terms, I suppose. Yeah. Not exactly like leading a like. Oh no! I mean, she's yet. she's clearly like fourth billing on this movie. But at the same time, you can you can, from the get-go of the movie, you can tell that she's out of ever this movie is out of her league already. I mean, yeah. the payday no, definitely not. But like in terms of sheer quality and force of talent, mm-hmm. you're like shouldn't you yeah, like you said, shouldn't you have your own movie? Shouldn't the like shouldn't the story be serving you? Right. Not The Rock and um Statham who like well, unquestionably good, yeah. but at the same time like Kirby's just such a much more such a much more dynamic actress mm-hmm. that you know seeing everybody else is sort of like it's sort of like okay well why are we here like yeah. do we need these cutaways do we need to like check in on like <laughs> I don't know the 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 Hobbs family drama or mm-hmm. whatever and and so by that time you're just kind of like I really don't care about what Shaw's up to yeah and also at that same point is when they're really kind of going all in on the the Hobbs Hattie romance. I'm just like, God, mm-hmm. stop. Like, I, 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 I just don't buy it. I don't buy that. I mean, yes, the rock, it's like this incredibly, you know, large, you know, good looking dude. But like, why, why is like Hattie have to be interested in, in, in him? And why is he interested in her? Like, yes, Vince Kirby is beautiful, but also she's the sister of like, your mortal enemy at the start of this movie. <laughs> and like the second you find out like, Hey, how did he not know? she was his sister. Like mm-hmm. he got a file on who she is. It, like right. he didn't put like, did it not yeah. say Hattie Shaw? Did just say Hattie. <laughs> did she not even have a name in the file? I don't know. Um, 
But like, I don't know. I just felt so like forced. Like, oh, we have to do this because we get we let you know Jason Statham kissed Isa Gonzalez, who's also in this movie. Great for two minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she, you know, he got his you know romance, and so now we have to give the Rock his, and it's like why like it doesn't pay off it's like the spur of the moment oh i'm gonna kiss you while we're while we're looking over the hawaiian sunset and then we're gonna add in these adr lines after the fact the rock saying you want to seal the deal again she's like no i'm like so what's the point (laughs) this isn't like a thing that's like gonna continue on Mm -hmm. this is like a weird we have to throw in a romance because we it's it's the rock and it's hollywood i wouldn't even call it romance but yeah it's just like it's just like there's there's a this movie is boring by a million cuts you know, where it's just like, yeah, I expected that. Yeah, saw that. I mean, like, it, it, it's not like the the movie's job is to, you know, like say or be different or whatever, or like move beyond expectations because it really doesn't. It's just sort of like another thing that gets thrown in theaters between Fast right. and Furious movies. It's 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 very just run of the mill. You know, mediocre. Me, I mean, not mediocre. It's better than mediocre blockbuster filmmaking. It's entertaining, yes. Um, but like you just mentioned, like you're gonna see a lot of this stuff coming. I mean, there's a like one of the the biggest foreshadowings of the entire movie comes within like the first 10, 15 minutes, where Deckard visits his mother, played by Helen Mirren, in prison, and like they randomly start talking about how it's a like the Shaw family's broken and how she wishes just one day. You know, you and your sister would be sitting here on the other side waiting for me. And I'm like, well, that's the end of the movie, yep. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and then sure enough, as the credits start rolling, guess who's there? Yep. As Helmier gets out of her prison cell. Right. Deckard and Hattie. I'm like, well, no, duh. It sounds like I'm pretty sure they're breaking her out. Yes. I'm assuming, yeah. And We're- then inexplicably, then leapfrogging off of that and away from it, though, real quick. The final post credit scene? Or, no, which one is this? this? It's the second one is where he's getting taken away. By the police. Got it. The first, the first one is Ryan Reynolds, who is in this movie, by the way, um, calling Hobbs and like telling him about another virus, setting yes. up a sequel. And then the third post credit scene, the final one, is the continuation of that call, and they're and like him complaining about the Game of Thrones finale. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you have not caught up on Game of Thrones, don't watch that third. Spoilers ahead. <laughs> after credit scene, because he just gives it all away. Yeah, and maybe maybe that is the joy of David Leach is his, his friendship with Ryan Reynolds. I oh, suppose. for sure. So. I mean, that's the only way this happened. And like the um, the the timeliness of it all, but like that was definitely inserted pretty late. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean the Game of Thrones wrapped in uh, it ended in May, so like you know this was added at some point in the last two and a half months. So like, <laughs> I did appreciate that. It, like, made, it was a, it was pretty cathartic. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I mean, is there anything that we really need to take away from these post credit scenes? I mean, no. I mean, fa- I mean, Fast and Furious is going to go on forever. Its spinoffs and sequels will continue for eternity and the, a half. The, the thing that worries me, if like the first post credit scene is like a legit, this is like what the next movie is going to be about. Like, I will, I'll, I honestly think I'm more excited to see Reynolds and The Rock together as a duo. Than Statham in The Rock, just because even though I think Statham's more the straight man in that scenario, I th- I would like to see maybe The Rock go back to being a little bit more of a straight man, letting Reynolds, a comedic genius, handle all the one-liners, and then mm-hmm. The Rock just like trying to play along but like not totally. Um, I-, I think that relationship is is gonna be a lot more fun than Johnson and Statham, but. I don't want them to do another virus because that's the same thing. So it's like I hope that's just a oh we're setting up that like. 
there are more problems for Hobbs and Shaw to do if they're able to put their differences aside, even though the next post-credit scene shows Hobbs getting Shaw arrested. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that whatever the sequel is, whenever it happens, if it does happen, that it's not another, that it's not the second virus is the whole plot. Cause then it's the same thing we just saw. Right. And the, you can't do it that many different ways. So like, please don't do that again. I mean, there's a, there's negative. There's going to be nine fast and furious movies, 10 fast and furious. Yeah. This movies. was the ninth in the universe. Yeah. And so you guess you can do the same thing. I mean, sure. But those movies also have, from where the first Fast and Furious started to where Fate of the Furious was, like drastically different movies, drastically different scopes, uh, even drastically different casts for the most part outside mm-hmm. of Vin Diesel. Um, I mean, as we kind of uh, like, since you brought that up, this is the spinoff, the first spinoff of the franchise. Um, it doesn't seem like The Rock has any intention of going back to the main saga anytime soon. Do you think that's for the best or would you write like, do we need more spinoffs and should the rock and Vin Diesel learn to put aside their differences like Shaw's like, like Shaw and Hobbs did and just combine forces for fast and furious nine, 10, 11 to infinity. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd rather see spinoffs than I would see continuations of the, the main fashion furious franchise. Okay. At least the spin, like credit to the spinoff for like acting like the others exist, but not really caring about mm-hmm. it in a lot of ways. And so that's fine and good and dandy. Like, I have no problem with that. But yeah, I mean, keep doing spinoffs. You can brand it Fast and Furious. That's probably what got them, like, what, 158 million worldwide international? Um, it's going to do, like, 60-something uh, domestic. I think it was, like, on the upside, it was, like, 200 oh, international wow. opening. Nice. And it still has China to come. So, and so it's going to be big. You know, you can run those and get those and get actors paid mm-hmm. what they're worth yeah. all the time through. But... You know, eventually I'm going to roll my eyes once, twice, or three times. Oh, because yeah. You're not going to get a David Leach to direct your movie. Well, and time. like if, if the spinoffs are the future with, you know, people involved with Hobbs and Shaw have said, you know, this movie is designed to set up more spinoffs for other characters, whether it is Ryan Reynolds is Agent Locke and, you know, Rob Delaney, who's like his <laughs> cohort, basically, which yes. is great. Um, or Kevin Hart's in this movie is a, uh, what is he? He's the... Uh, the, the the air police <laughs> I, don't know, I can't think the of TSA what. or not TSA agent air marshal yes he's the air marshal uh, air, air marshal Dinkley <laughs> I think <laughs> is his name um, you know like they're probably both going to join the Hobbs team I would think in a sequel um, but like you know Madam M like her group A I, I just love Isa Gonzalez and I think she's great but also like that's that's a different corner of the Fast Food Fans we haven't seen yet like going in like here, this is the team that like goes and steals weapons and stuff. Like that goes kind of back to the roots of this franchise. Not here's this giant epic action. Like scale it back. It's okay. Right. You can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need eighteen different action sequences. Like I can deal with five and have them be a little more smaller budget and you build back up. <laughs> right. We yeah. can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like I mean, perhaps that is the way it will go. It'll be Hobbs and Shaw and Locke and Delaney and you know like go all the way and all the way through but you know it's it's really hard to just be like yeah sure do more when you're like eh, that's fine I don't care right much. well and also like it. I don't even know what other spinoffs you'd really need from Festerius like well I don't want to I don't want a Tyrese Gibson and you know Ludacris spinoff movie no thank you I don't need that in my life nope uh do you do a prequel with like uh, Han and then Gal Gadot's character. I'm sure they'd do really well. I'm sure they'd love to do that. Um, but like, what? I mean, what else? Like, 
Paul Walker would have been the only one who would have been like primed for like another standalone, and you know he's not with us anymore, so that's right. off the table. So I don't really know where this franchise's future lies. I mean, you're getting John Cena for nine. We'll probably get Hobbs and Shaw too, and we'll get Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Hart back for bigger roles. And then there's this looming question of the Etion, who's the director. There's the the tease that there's this mysterious voice. It changes all the time whenever you talk to it. Um, do you have any guesses on who could be the face behind? The director of Etion? Dom. You think Dom's turning bad? I have no clue, man. Like, it was <laughs> just like that whole thing was dumb, too. I'm like, I don't, I know I'm supposed to be asking questions about this and caring about you it. You don't? I, I don't. That's fair. It was just, it was just, it was like all Emperor Palpatine, but without like any actual intrigue. It's like, <laughs> I'm just a mysterious voice. Like, right. No. I, I think um, there's, I think there's two options. And the first one is, I think Charlize Theron, who plays, I think her character name is Cypher? Yes. I think in the franchise. Yep. She's already like in that tech world based on what we know from Fate of the Furious. So she would make sense to be the head of Etion, be the... Because the, the, even when this movie first started like gearing up, there were rumors that Charlize Theron was going to be in this movie. Yes. So I think that would make sense um, for her to be involved and be the head of Etion and be like the big... Oh, big bad for the larger Fast and Furious franchise, even though she's also going to be in Fast and Furious 9. So I'm not totally sure how that's going to work out. Um, but I think the other option is, I remember I believe we covered previously um, on the podcast that Keanu Reeves had a role in this movie. He does not, that we know about. Um, but maybe he is the mysterious, ever-changing voice of the director of Etion, and that's where this thing is going. I mean, yeah, he has a connection with Leech um, through John and Wick. Right. So I, I could see that happening. I could as well. Uh, it's just like it's just so early to tell. Like, oh yeah, they, have, uh, they clearly haven't locked anybody down no. for a script or a film or anything like that. Because if they had, they would show it to us. Yeah, already. that's what I was expecting. The third post-credit scene to be like Reynolds would be like in that room cracking jokes, being like, "Don't you know what my blood type is? It's it's B positive. Get it? <laughs> just like my outlook on life." Which it was a great joke, by the way. Um, like I was expecting like him to like be like telling the stuff, like setting up. Oh, Reynolds is gonna be involved in the sequel, and then. Like the door to get like cracked down, Reynolds gets shot in the head, and you like turn and there's Keanu Reeves. I'm like, holy crap, that's that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. I'd much rather have Keanu Reeves than Ryan Reynolds, I think, in the Hobbs and Shaw yep. <laughs> universe. Same here. But uh, that didn't happen. I'm glad they take Ryan Reynolds. And I th- we've gone pretty long, longer than I thought we were going to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. Um, so I think it's time to wrap this up. Um, we'll never watch it again unless. We, I think we absolutely have to for some weird reason. Unless I feel obligated to or absolutely have to. Um, so, yeah, we both give it three ticket stubs out of five. If you saw Hobbs and Shaw, let's know you guys thought about it on Twitter at uh, Friends and Film. And we'll be right back in a bit with the news. I'm on the next level. Yeah, I know you heard about it. You know I'm bad about it. And don't you ever doubt it. I'm incomparable. That's why they staring though Turn up the stereo Check it out, check it out, check it out I'm hot just like a sauna New York to California And we're back with the news And as I was to start with our three main topics this week Kicking off with uh, a surprise trailer drop that came only in theaters with Hobbs and Shaw, uh, which was the first teaser trailer for Tenant, uh, the new movie from Christopher Nolan starring John D. Washington, uh, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and a bunch of other people. Um, and by all accounts, is one of the most anticipated movies of 2020. So uh, it came as a surprise to many to learn, as it was to you, Josh, that a trailer for Tenant was out only in theaters to Hobbs and Shaw. 
with no announcement. There was no official word that this was happening um, ahead of the Thursday night screenings. Word was basically out by Thursday night slash Friday morning that this was the case. Mm-hmm. But you missed this trailer. I missed it completely. I have nothing to say about it other than your description to me before we jumped on air. Which, like, is... I mean, if, hopefully you saw Hobbs and Shaw. Hopefully you saw and you got to the theaters you know, before the trailer started so you could actually see the trailer for Tenet. Um, but it's it's typical. Nolan doesn't show you a lot. It's basically just John David Washington shots um, you know, with a couple of title cards saying, yes, this is a Christopher Nolan movie. It comes out next summer. You should be you know, excited about it, basically. And... But this like brought up an interesting thing where I expected you to have seen it or to have heard about it and you know to to have seen the trailer ahead of time and it's as of our recording um it has not dropped online yet so and this is a a rare thing for a movie of this size I mean there are other instances I mean even this year of films that had trailers debut in theaters and then waited a couple of days even a couple of weeks mm-hmm. even a couple of months in some cases to actually drop the trailers online but this is such a strange thing for tenant to do and i'm just wondering because you didn't see the trailer um what is like what is the point of doing this like what what can you think of as like okay if we're warner brothers and nolan this is why we're doing this yeah and i i don't know exactly i don't you and i have kind of talked about like three theories uh-huh. and i really haven't been able to settle on like one of them but the first one is it's just such a low-key trailer from your description yeah. that didn't warrant throwing it online. Or, as we know, Nolan is a cinephile, mm-hmm. and he, well, he, he's, he's, a, he's a believer in the presence and power of the big screen, yes. the silver screen. And he wanted your first experience to be from, you know, in that place, mm-hmm. rather than, on your cell phone while you're on your toilet listening to Old Town Road and playing, you know, Fortnite <laughs> or something like right. that. You know, like that's the kind of thing that like we're kind of talking about here, I think. And so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with it and that's what I'm feeling about it, but it's it's a low-key Nolan rollout. Like we got something for Dunkirk in a similar fashion where it was just like tick 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 right. time is running out. But it was also online. Like that, right. that dropped online. So yeah. that, and like that's the weird thing. Like you're saying about how, yes, maybe Nolan's um, preference to have people see this in a theater firsthand to preserve the cinematic experience, whatever it may be. Um, but for people like yourself, or for people who didn't see Hobbs and Shaw this weekend, didn't know about it, um, you know there are you know rough bootleg versions of it online you can find that people have certainly seeked out. Mm-hmm. And now because you're holding off on this, a lot of people's first time experience isn't going to be in theaters isn't even going to be with an HD version. It's going to be with a, a rough shaky cam that some 14 year old recorded. It's like, Oh, this is new. I'm a, I'm a Nolan fan. Nobody else has seen this yet. I'm going to record it and put it on my Twitter and hopefully it's going to, you know, give me some followers. Yeah. And that's, that's the state of the publicity. And it's like, if you're like, why wouldn't you release it online? So everybody can see it. And I don't think it can be a case of, Oh, well it's not big enough or like, important enough to warrant an online release cuz like what you're just never going to release it online if you're mm-hmm. one of those like this is exclusive only to Hobbs and Shaw for the next 3 months in theaters and if you want to see this trailer you have to go watch Hobbs and Shaw why Hobbs and Shaw it's not even a WB movie like there's nothing about this that correlates to make sense of 
why to release it this way in secret and not do it online. I think, except for, well, I'm Christopher Nolan and I can do whatever I want, basically. Tenant's not a Warner Brothers picture. They're not distributing it. Oh, it's not? Tenant's not? No, I think it is. Oh, yeah. But Hobbs and Shaw is not. Really? Hobbs and Shaw is universal. That's right. So it's like, it's not even a, hey, we'll promote our own movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be like, hey, word got out Friday that a tenant trailer's on. Maybe that'll boost up Hobbs and Shaw's box office by a couple million. And we can end the week at 70 million instead of 60 something. And it's like, no, if anything, you're just boosting Universal's money. It's like, why, why would you do that? So it's like, it just doesn't make any sense to me to release it in this way, put it in front of Hobbs and Shaw, and then release it secretly and not put it out online. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's a lack of, like, strategy, it seems like. That's my gut feeling. Like, is, is, it, no... is it just Nolan being like, well, it's basically a year out for my movie. I want a teaser. Who cares Here it is. where it goes? Right. And since who cares where it goes, let's go ahead and throw it in front of Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Because the, those, the people seeing that movie are our target demo. Those are the most likely people to go see a Christopher Nolan movie. I mean, maybe. I'm sure there's good overlap there. But, um, yeah, I, like it's not that I'm like upset about it or anything no. like that. But it's or, a, it's or just a weird upset that like they didn't know about it, so I showed up to the theater late. Like <laughs> that's like the only like oh pang of regret. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I, I I don't sense a strategy other than just it's just, it's just sort of like it's four seconds of like five seconds of actual John David uh, Washington footage. Um, I mean the teaser's probably about a minute long, and there's like one kind of longer shot that's cut up by title cards then there's a montage of things that happen at the very end that doesn't again nothing it doesn't give you anything about the story so i don't think it's uh oh we can't put this online yet because it's not ready or it's um it's gonna give away too much or something like Mm -hmm. it just seems like it's you know nolan's whole thing is like secrecy surprise like that's like his whole brand kind of and it's like what better way to continue that than put a surprise super cryptic trailer in front of a movie that you wouldn't normally expect this trailer to debut in front of. Uh-huh. But like, even at that point, it's like, I, I'm just, I'm just wondering what are they gaining from doing it that way? Like, cause they're not gaining money. Right. They didn't you're, it. you're gaining a little bit of publicity just to be like the, the fever around, wait, what this happened? This is so rare. This is so weird. Um, like, you know, there's, there's breakdowns of what the trailer showed online. You can read if you don't want to actually watch the the trailer itself in a, a shaky cam fa- fashion. But other than that, like what, like maybe you're buying yourself a couple extra days of coverage if you release it officially online this coming week. And if that's the case, I'm like, well, I, mean, I, I just don't get it. Like, um, like unless the strategy is here's this teaser trailer, it's going to play in cinemas for all of Hobbs and Shaw's run. And then when that movie's out of theaters, like, you know, come November, when some big Warner Brothers movie is about to hit theaters, we're going to put out a different teaser trailer that's a little longer, has has some of that same footage, but it's also going to be a little bit different. And then that's the one that goes in theaters online at the same time. And that's the big one. And so this is like a special treat. But even then, I'm just I still don't get why it's Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> That gets it. It's, it's yeah. It's a weirdly specific movie. Like if anything, you would think it would get attached to um, a lot. Of, like you would thought have thought it would, had been on the Tarantino movie, right? Or or put it in front of like the kitchen, which comes out next week, which is a 
WB New Line movie, I believe. Yes. Like, put it there, a movie that a lot of people are like don't really know about for the most part. And you can be like, you can see the first Christopher Nolan trailer for Tenet and try to get a couple extra million dollars to help out that movie. Like, that seems like a better strategy. Yeah, and then, and like... And I guess, and I guess, because, and like, listen, I think I'll come back to Hobbs and Shaw is the like non MCU blockbuster of the summer. I think. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the last one that comes out this summer ahead of you know it chapter two. Yeah, and so the I, I think I think I think it's mostly audience targeting. Okay. You know, because I remember seeing Interstellar in theaters, mm-hmm. and that came out right before Guardians of the Galaxy. No, that came out the year of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Or it came out that later that November. Well, I mean, it would have no. I mean, what? Interstellar came out in November, twenty fourteen. November. I thought normally North came out in July. Interstellar was a November release, but um, well, I remember the trailer. One of the first trailers that accompanied some kind of similar film. Uh, I think maybe Gravity. Don't hold me on that. Um, but the idea was, and it was just like very space focused. It was very science fictional, mm-hmm. and that was kind of its target. Um audience so perhaps it's that but like the rationale for it being solely in cinema can't say i really know like other than just no one's like no one's gonna tell nolan when to release his trailer and so he just says only in theaters for this movie because that's who's gonna see it or marketing decided who was gonna see it there yeah maybe i don't know i just think it's such a weird situation that doesn't really ever happen uh for a movie of this size where again I think Tenet's gonna be one of the more anticipated movies of 2020, and probably one of, it'll probably be one of the bigger original movies of that year. So it's yeah. like it's 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 again it's just so weird to do it in this fashion. Maybe once they release the trailer online officially, we'll get some sort of explanation down the road of why did you do it this way. Especially if it is like as I, you know, suggested, maybe it's a different trailer that's released officially online. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know the answers to this. So. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, Nolan, your marketing team, whatever. Uh, if you're out there listening, which, you know, if you are, hey, great. We'd love to have you on, Nolan. Uh, we can talk about Dunkirk. <laughs> um, but, like, I would just love to know why this was the strategy used to start the publicity train for Tenet. Yeah, same here. So uh, we'll move on to uh, an update on the new Gods movie that is in the works at Warner Brothers and DC uh, with director Ava DuVernay, who had a, an AMA on Twitter this past week. And, uh because she's doing new gods. It's, I think it's going to be her next project was inundated with a lot of new gods questions about what it's going to be in it, what could be in it, who are the favorite characters, are, all that kind of stuff. And some of the reveals that came from that was confirmation that dark side uh, is going to be in new gods along with uh, his all female warrior team called the furies. Um, so this is interesting. I think it's not super surprising because dark side is basically like one of He's the ruler of Apocalypse, and he's one of, like, the, which makes him the leader of half of, like, the new gods, basically, if you're either on Apocalypse or New Genesis. Um, and so you can't really do new gods without Darkseid, but I'm just more curious of Darkseid was going to be this looming threat in Snyder's version of the DCU. Yeah. Snyder's obviously out. There's all these calls for the Snyder Cut and all this stuff now still going on um, while new gods is coming up. And... We've had Steppenwolf, we've had Mother Boxes, we've had you know Boom Tubes, we've had all these like kind of um, new gods ish stuff introduced already. So now that you're bringing Darkseid in, is he like the villain in New Gods, or is he like a Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's in one, two scenes maybe, 
kind of laying out and setting the Furies out to go find like Big Bard and Mr. Miracle or something. Yeah. And then he's just like that looming threat to come in in a sequel or at a bigger cosmic event down the road. Like what what level of role would you want from DC's equivalent to Thanos basically in New Gods? I mean like you probably would have set him up for future like, you know, bad guy antics. Mm-hmm. Um especially too because he's an anticipated character. He's a big character. Mm-hmm. He's one that like um anyone who doesn't know a lot about DC comics or heroes or anything like that but knows a little knows him mm-hmm. because his name's Darkseid. Yeah. And it's very easy to remember. And so you want to get him out there without teasing him around mm-hmm. as quickly as possible because who knows where New Gods 2 is going to come yeah. from. Who knows like where any of the MCU movies are going for, mm-hmm. you know, going towards right now. And so it's just sort of, I mean, yeah, it, it It'll be interesting to watch play out, but largely enough, I mean, you need to just make a good movie. And right. Dark Side's a character that you should throw in there immediately because no one wants to see Steppenwolf do a reappearance <laughs> or anything like that. And the further you dig into um, New God's lore, I mean, if Dark Side's... If Dark side needs to be there. Any yeah. teases with him, um, any like less than five minutes of screen time is going to be an entire like an incredible letdown. I think. Right. I mean, he has, he is integral to Mister Miracle's backstory, to his origin, to you know Big Barda, to the Furies, to all of Apocalypse, to really all the new gods, and so yeah, I think it's essential to have him involved. I'm just wondering, like there's the inevitable Thanos comparisons that are going to be drawn, whether people like it or not. That's just going to happen now. It's happened in the comics with both of their interpretations. It's going to happen in the movies now that we've had Thanos fully realized in the MCU. And so now you bring in Darkseid, and you guys have figured out a way to differentiate them. Um, I mean, yeah, they look different, but they're still these super powerful um, godlike beings that are, you know, poised on galactic, you know, know, takeovers, basically. So... I don't know how you do this and not just build up the same way them. So you did the Thanos. So mm-hmm. like, does that mean like quickening this pace and being like, here is a semi large role, but not like he's, he's not the big bad. It's like, you know, big Barda and the Furies are the villains sure. of the movie. And he's just like, I'm going to send you out to do this stuff. And you guys are going to check back in with me at the start of the second act mm-hmm. at the start of the third act. Yeah. And, then the post credits tease is like, you know what? They didn't get it done. Mr. Miracle is still out there and Big Bart is deserted apocalypse. This cannot stand. I'm going to go do this my own way. <laughs> and he just doesn't say, I'll do it myself because that'll be too mm-hmm. on the nose. Um, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can do just a, here's a one scene thing for dark side here. And then here he is teased again, in another movie after that. And then boom, here's his full introduction. You have to, figure out some ways to make it different, whether that's maybe not position him as a full on villain. And he's more of like a, you know, he's, he's not a good guy, but he's definitely, he's definitely a bad guy, but he's not like the bad guy. And yeah. maybe there's something else that like the new gods all have to f- come together to try to, I don't know. Me neither. I mean, maybe we're just headed for a saw. I mean, this is maybe we're headed for the official reset. For sure. I mean, we don't even know. I don't think, um, when this is taking place like is this new gods movie taking place 
a thousand years ago in the DCEU timeline? Is it even a DCEU movie technically? We don't know that. Um, or is it going to take place, you know, in the aftermath of Justice League and like, so all you really know is Steppenwolf's not around. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's all we know. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah, Steppenwolf died last year. And you're like, oh, okay. Wait, did Steppenwolf die or did they just stab him in the heart and he get boomed too bad of there? Um, he, he got hit. He, okay, so Superman froze his sword. Deanna broke his sword. And then he was consumed by fear. The parademons attacked him. And then he was called away in the boom tube as the parademons were attacking him. So it's vague. I guess on whether or not he survived. I, I always have just assumed that he's dead because why keep him around? He already failed. <laughs> and again, we don't need to repeat a Steppenwolf. Like <laughs> we've been there. We've seen him. We don't need him back. Oh, um, my goodness. So I think we should just move on and step away from Steppenwolf. Uh, just bring on dark side. And the good thing is I think Ava and with writer Tom King are, are smart enough people to figure out a way to bring this, as you mentioned, like, highly anticipated DC villain to the big screen, but also do it in their own way. That's different. That's complex. King has a, a you know, plenty of history writing for dark side already. So, um, you know, if they can bring all that to the screen, then hopefully the new gods, as you mentioned, will be a good movie first and foremost, but also find a good way to bring dark side into the DCU and set them up for the future. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the last of our three main topics this week is Dungeons and Dragons. The movie um, now has a pair of directors. It appears as deadline revealed that John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, the directors of game night who were recently attached to do the flash, but then less left the movie um, are now in talks to direct Dungeons and Dragons instead. So uh, game night, as we've talked about before, one of my favorite movies that came out in 2018. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it already, go check it out. Um, but I think it's just interesting that this is going to be their next project. I figured they like got stung by the studio system before, got stung by Warner Brothers, and I believe Dungeons & Dragons is another Warner Brothers property. Um, so to get right back into business with them is maybe it's like just proves that it was really a we can't work with Ezra Miller and his vision sort of a thing, so we have to yeah. step away. And now they're like, okay, well, is there anything else in our Rolodex of properties that you guys want to play with? And they're like, oh, we love Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know if they do. Um and that's what they take. Great for them if that's if that is the case, because I think they're mm-hmm. super talented, and I really want to see what they do next. But I'm also just wondering at this stage, like Dungeons and Dragons, how how big of a property is that still? Yeah, and why did the, these two guys would be um, drawn to drawn to it too? Like, yeah, what do they think their takes going to be? And I mean, they're talented writers. They're great. They 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 know how to write comedy. They seem to know how to get a movie going. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Game 9 is plenty funny, but Dungeons & Dragons is going to be a different beast. And you always, and you're always going to be at risk, especially with Warner Brothers, of getting like a really bland studio movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless it's under its new their new line um, production company, you know, house or whatever, like within that region, like kind of like how James Wan came up and like developed and curated his own uh-huh. talents there. Um, you're going to get, like anytime you spend over $100 million, you're going to get like a, very heavy hand from the studio and marketing. So you cannot fail. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see how Dungeons and Dragons become something that's good with directors who cannot fail. Yeah. I mean, to clarify one thing that I said before, this is not a Warren Bros. movie. This is Paramount Pictures oh. and Goldstein and Daly are replacing Chris McKay, who was attached to this before that we've talked about in the past. Um, but it looks like he's going to do the ghost draft movie with Chris Pratt first instead of this. So um, Michael Gilio is uh, 
directing or not direct, he's writing the movie um i don't he looks like he hasn't even really done anything um from a writing perspective so far he's been more of a second unit guy so i'm really interested to see what that means for you know his take like he hopefully got the job for a reason and <laughs> yeah it, precisely we don't we, we also don't know so it's it's it it's it's unclear i think it really just shows that this is daily and goldstein mm-hmm. i mean they are writers in the past so i think they'll probably be the ones to take on a bulk of the work at the end of the day anyways so again i just want to know really what is the perspective of this what's what is the potential i don't again i don't think there's a huge like fervor for dungeons and dragons anymore we're I feel like that hit its heyday. No. There was a bit of a nostalgia hit after Stranger Things came out, yes. and that first season they were they played a lot. But as season three came along, you know, all those kids have grown up and moved on. As you know, Will Byers was you know not too happy about. But yeah, exactly. I get. I just I don't think that this is going to be a movie that you know. I think it could turn out to be really good, and Daily and Golds can do a good job because I have faith in them. But I just I'm just not sure of the process of this movie being a success financially yeah it's so obscure not obscure entirely but you have to do a lot of leg work to convince people Mm -hmm. to care about this well and and what what direction do you take do you take the you know lord of the rings route and make this an epic or do you go like masters of the universe um you know thor ragnarok guardians of the galaxy sort of a thing and make it sort of a Oh, this is comedy, fun adventure, and mm-hmm. it's also magical, and mystical, and that's that's the pitch. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Will it be centered around campaign? Will kids be playing the game? Will the game will it be like Jumanji? Or oh, I could see that. Yeah, I I have so many questions about this. That would, I would actually like that idea if it came became like Jumanji and it was like they're sucked into their <laughs> their their board pieces or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to play Dungeons and I've never played before, but like uh, it's all just paper and dice. Okay, so yeah. there's no like board or character not, avatars not from the og days okay but i mean i'm sure there's like a uh an online version or something that they could dream up to do it that way i think that would actually I, I again i like that take on it um the best i think of all these options and probably gives it again that tone that i think is better suited for daily and goldstein um let's move on to ticker skip it here uh there were a couple of trailers that dropped this week that we will uh try to give one of our tickets to one of them not being tenant because it's not officially online yet um so our choices are this week the new trailer for the hunt the first trailer for the lighthouse the first trailer for the irishman the new trailer for little monsters and the first trailer for 1917 josh which one of these movies gets your take this week? I feel like I would be able to guess it at the beginning of the week, mm-hmm. and then some other things dropped, and now I'm not totally sure. Really? I thought you were definitely going to go The Lighthouse. Yeah. But now I could almost see you going with Irishman instead. Interesting. No, but I'm all in on um, The Lighthouse. That's what you're giving your ticket yeah, to? Yeah, I'm all in on it. I'm all on it for two reasons and two reasons only. The aspect ratio looks great, but I'll, then again... William Defoe in this movie is going to win himself an Oscar. Another his one? First, another one. Oh, yeah. He got Best Supporting? No, he didn't get it. He's been nominated for the last two years. That's right. He will get a nomination. Did he win for Brooklyn, whatever that movie was? The Not Brooklyn. Kids' brand name is Brooklyn, but yeah. the movie's called The Florida Project. Yes. Um, I, I, I think he won for that. No, he got beat by somebody. He got beat by... That would have been 2017, so that would have been... Uh, Shape of Water, Richard Jenkins, maybe? 
I think so. I don't know. We'll it's not that important. William Defoe. Um, but anyway, the point is, his accent is amazing. I don't know. He's playing your old sailor, and I'm loving it to death. Um, Robert Pattinson is this new lighthouse keeper who's life has been turned upside down has been uh, destroyed there's some kind of distress going on mm-hmm. that makes him come to the lighthouse and convince himself to stay there's hints of something dark lurking out there there's hints of you know just debauchery that emanates from man and it looks like it's going to be a classic A24 thriller horror adjacent movie um, there are some casting things that I have like some questions about that indicate like other things that are going on. Hmm. So things can get pretty weird okay. or they can play really tame if they're just like tripping balls or something like that. You know, that, that the was the question I kind of had. Like, I'm not really totally sure what the premise is here. Me neither. But then like, at, like, like near the end, I think Willem Dafoe's like, how long have we been on this, this, uh, this rock for? I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And there's <laughs> like, this, like, like a, Shutter Island sort of uh, time like, dilation. Yeah, not, but like also super trippy. I don't really know. Right, yeah, I'm not sure, but it looks like a hearty good time. Um, it's only going to run an hour and fifty minutes, so that's oh. perfect for me. Um, and it's got a fantastic Rotten Tomato score for those who've already seen the screen. Oh, okay, so I am excited to get a look at it. All right, I'm going to give my ticket this week, not to Lighthouse, even though I really did like that trailer, and I was late to it, so I'd already seen all the. What'd you do with all the beans or whatever the, <laughs> right. the, the thing is? I keep seeing settled out the whole trailer. Um, but I'm going to give my ticket to 1917, mm. which um, I think is probably not like the choice. I, it's, I think it's surprising that neither of us gave it to the Irishman. I'm just, I don't know that the de-aging effects weren't as substantial as I thought they were going to be. I thought it was like going to be like 30 year old <laughs> De Niro. And so it's like, 55 year old new. We pulled the creases out of his head. Right. Know, for a bit. <laughs> um, but 1917, Directed by Sam Mendes, shot by Roger Deakins, and that aspect of it is really what caught my eye in this trailer, where uh, everything about it just looks so good. There's these nice long takes. I even just love the end of the trailer where they bring in the 1917, mm-hmm. and like it cuts up the shots, and it's like you're only seeing snippets of it, and people are like running through it as these bombs are exploding. Um, I just think it looks really good, and Colin uh, Firth is in there for a nice, a nice little role. I don't, I don't think I'm really definitely with either of the two um, actual leads of the movie, but, um, I'm also just excited about this because there's, there's rumors. I don't know how accurate or believable they are that the movie is supposed to look like it's all one shot. Really? And I definitely got that vibe from the trailer. I, there, there is a lot of contiguous cuts Yeah, or contiguous. I mean, like, even just like when they're scenes. going through like the, the mine or the, the passageway underground or whatever, um, like that is all clearly like one take. There's the, all the natural light from the gun itself. There's no like props or anything else that's, you know, taking mm-hmm. place there. And so if that's, if that is the case, like, I just think that's going to be insane to watch. And since this trailer gave me a couple of those hints that like, I, it's impossible to actually do it and make a two-hour war movie yeah. be one shot. But if they can make it look like that right, and pull a Birdman, basically, like, come on. I, yeah. That's going to be insane. Yeah, I mean, like, it can it cannot be one because you, ma- I mean, could you even well, I mean, imagine? Yeah, I mean, they're going to all these different locations, it looks like. Right. I even, I even just like the story of you have to go find this whole infantry um but then also save your brother so there's like a same private ryan sort of thing going on there um but yeah the the whole possible one shot thing is nuts 
bring it on though. I love cinematography work like that, yeah. especially for Margaret. And Dickens. I'm just glad to see Sam Mendes kind of hopefully get back to form after, you know, a, a not so great outing with Spectre. So, uh, hopefully this is good. Sam Mendes and has like that prime Oscar, uh, release day at the end of the year. So I think that, you know, this has all the makings to be a movie that we'll talk about well into February and hopefully up for a couple of awards. Um, as we move on to the flyby, we're hoping it will be the same case for Dune, the latest, the next upcoming Denny Villeneuve movie, um, which we now have to wait another month for as it has been delayed to uh, December instead of a November 2020 release date. This uh, gives a little separation from Marvel's Eternals, which was basically coming out in the same uh, release window as Dune was before, but now puts it up against West Side Story and Uncharted. Josh, you kind of mentioned before we started recording that you have no fears about this that like oh this is easily going to crush both those movies oh yeah it will definitely remember when dylan villain gonna do it new property not many people know about dune mm-hmm. um especially in larger culture it's star trek and star wars dominated yes. completely um dune will be a whole new world for new audiences to go run and go see and it'll look like nothing they've ever seen before um and moving it a month back doesn't i don't think it speaks to anything problems with quality no. it's it's purely release calendar mm-hmm. driven and since they now know the M- where the MCU movies are, they know where they want to put their movie in 2020. Right. I mean, they're putting it in that Star Wars slot. So, you know, they're trying to maybe fill that void in 2020. I'm just worried about it because you are going up against a Spielberg West Side Story, mm-hmm. which is going to be a draw, I think, regardless, whether if it's great or terrible. Um, and Uncharted, it's a known IP and it's Tom Holland, who is just starting a billion dollar movie. Uh, he just started in three straight billion dollar movies <laughs> yeah so well yes. uh, a billion dollar movie a almost three billion dollar movie and then a two billion dollar movie so he is on quite a hot streak right now uh, as he moves into uncharted and so i'm just i don't know i am getting a little worried that we're not going to see that second dune movie that denny and everybody involved keeps being like oh this is two movies i'm just like it's, is it yeah no it's two movies i mean i know that's the plan but like this movie also as far as we are led to believe, has a big budget. It's going to come out at the end of the year against big competition. And as you mentioned, a lot of people do not know about Dune. And what we've learned, I think, this year is IP is king. And we've learned that in years past. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a little worried that Dune is not going to make all that much money at the box office. And it's going to be like, well, that would have been really cool. But dune 2 is not happening yeah i i can see where you're coming from there but i just don't think it's i don't think it's pertinent to this part of it because okay. like it's just moving it overall i mean grant i had these concerns before it moved to yeah, december the, the, the question of dune you know um whether it can make money or not is like i don't know we haven't even seen a trailer for it yet yes i'm not true. ready to jump out there but arrival did find yeah. dune's comeback uh, will be I think it'll be treated as something totally new because we've right. not seen the characters of um, Frank are just they're vastly different than anything you know really stock or generic and so mm-hmm. when you see that on screen especially in Dil- Denville new sensibilities um, I think we'll have something that carries things forward Blade Runner 249 made 259 million dollars worldwide do you think Dune can do more than that yeah absolutely oh, okay Timothy Chalamet's on board man 
<laughs> I guess I guess that's true. Don't forget. Uh, let's move on then to a new Olivia Wilde project because after the success of Booksmart and landing her new holiday comedy uh, that was recently purchased, Deadline revealed this week that multiple studios are bidding to acquire uh, her new movie, Don't Worry Darling, which is described as, quote, a psychological thriller about a 1950s housewife whose reality begins to crack, revealing a disturbing truth underneath, end quote, that Wilde will both uh, star in and direct. Um, so this is, again, that continued push of, A, Booksmart was great and studios aren't worried that it only made $25 million at the box office right. because, again, probably had a cheap budget, it didn't even make a ton, and it's still a success and it's still getting Olivia Wilde more projects. So that's great. But also, this is, I think, a really interesting next turn for her after doing a coming-of-age teenage girl comedy mm-hmm. in Booksmart to then doing a holiday comedy to then now doing a psychological thriller that she's also going to star in. Like, that is a lot of different pieces and i think that wild just based on book smart has what it takes to tackle all these different things mm-hmm. and so i'm really looking forward to don't worry darling whenever it does come out yeah like i love directors getting into new things because they're going to contribute something to that genre and they're going to leave it and they're going to take that with them to other places other things and uh other projects other scripts they even write too and so hearing that olivia wilde's getting into the horror thrill kind of category subsection genre um, is super exciting mm-hmm. and like yeah bring it all on to me yeah um, on the opposite vein somebody who's going back to a genre that are well familiar with Variety reported this week that James Wan um, is now going to do an untitled original horror movie this fall um, as his next project before he does Aquaman 2 um, so this is good news for James Wan he that's where he made his a name for himself was in that horror genre small budgets um, but making a lot of money at the box office so it's I think it's cool to see him take a step back from the big blockbusters of, you know, Furious 7 and Aquaman and go back to his roots and be like, no, I'm just going to do like a $10 million movie and scare the crap out of people. Yeah, there's nothing quite like a James Wan horror scare setup. Mm-hmm. He just plays all the right notes before he gets to the big finish or the big flourish. Yeah. The big um, the big jump scare, the reveal, there's small little subtle things that build your dread mm-hmm. and it's existential, you know. They help put you in the mindset to accept and be afraid of things. Whereas, like, The Nun, for instance, just does <laughs> jump scares. Um, and that's all you really have. And so, yeah, I'm so glad to hear that he's back. Yeah, I mean, you since know. you brought up the nun, he I mean he is the founder of the Conjuring universe. Is there any mm-hmm. chance that this is a secret, new uh, like corner of the Conjuring universe? No, probably you think it's totally not. standalone. I think it's totally standalone. The Conjuring universe has been turned over to a whole <laughs> writers' room um, of Annabelle writers. Of, True, you know, just whatever else toys they're playing with at that moment. So I don't think we'll see that return specifically until we have something more substantive to talk about and guess about yeah hear about i hope you're right uh because i'd love to see one again back to uh, original things not tying them into our franchises but uh move on to a new report from variety that they revealed that luca guadagnino the director of suspiria call me by your name um is in talks now to direct an all-female version of uh lord of the flies movie i have never seen the movie never read the book as far as i understand as far as i remember at least um so this is like a Stranded on a desert island, survival, like dystopian sort of a thing, right? Yeah, it's kind of sort of. It's an allegory for how we eat each other in society. Okay. And so these kids wash up on an island, they form a society, then they fight over it. To oh, because yeah, uh, the society thing on Netflix is kind of based around Lord of the Flies, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right then. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Luke Guadagnino as a director. Um, so him doing a new take on this, I'm not here for. Yeah, same here. 
Um, and then lastly, Cloud reported this week um, that uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley movie has uh, basically found an all-star cast at this point. Um, as several people are in talks to join Bradley Cooper in the in the in, in the lead role there, um, with Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett, Ron Perlman, Rooney Mara, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Povinelli all in talks to join the film. That is one heck of a cast. Tony Collette's going to be the co-lead opposite of Bradley Cooper, which I think is a fascinating pairing. And just I can't wait for this movie. Did you say William Dafoe and Michael Shannon? Yes, Michael Shannon's in talks for a small role that may or may not happen depending to have on proof scheduling. Once and for all, that Michael Shannon is not, in fact, William Defoe. Is that a, is that a working versa. theory? That is a working theory of Interesting. mine okay. because I couldn't tell the two apart for like you know like <laughs> a few moments and months. Okay. Um, but my goodness, could you ask for a better cast than that? I don't. I, don't think I mean, so. Rooney Mara is phenomenal and terrific. Yet somehow she's like the weakest of this bunch too. Yeah, well, she's just also and like she just doesn't have that kind of like pedigree behind her name yet for right. some reason. But she will. She it's should. Like this movie will be like one of the first very ones working with an Oscar-winning director. Um, but like when you're when you're dissing Rooney Mara for being in your movie as like the weak like the weakest <laughs> link, you have a pretty strong chain. Oh yeah. Um, all together though. So uh, I am I am. St- Dope to see Bradley Cooper jump into horror for the first yeah. for the first time. Yeah, uh, the- yeah, I think so. So yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a good one. I believe this was filmed this year, so hopefully a 2020 release on uh, Nightmare Alley. Um, that's all we have for this episode. Next week we're back with a review of The Kitchen, a new DC Vertigo, New Line, Warner Brothers movie um, that's coming out. Starring Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss um, about these. These, these wives of gangsters who all their husbands are get put away and then they rise up mm-hmm. take over the, the whole thing. I think it looks pretty good based on the trailer. I like the cast. Um, the, the director is the writer behind Straight Outta Compton, which yes. was incredible. Um, so I really hope this is a hit. So I'm hoping that you know this is going to turn out good when we review it next week. Me too, man. I'm, like, I'm all about Elizabeth Moss's like, acting movie career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the first two have been interesting. Um, but now I'm like, I'm really ready for here because it looks like she's adding personality to it yeah. not just being something creepy or weird mm-hmm. or indistinct so um i'm all in on that yeah bring it we'll also be back this week with a new big question tackling uh you know star wars 9 the emperor's role all that kind of stuff so be on the lookout for that um but in the meantime be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tune staff for this film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and you can get at me josh at just joshua ryan and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus head over to itunes give us a five review with comments tell us why you enjoy listening to the show and again if you do that in the next week you will be entered to win our Avengers Endgame digital giveaway. Thanks again for tuning in to the Defensible Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>